Well, good morning, Oak City Church. It is so wonderful to be with you. Um, even though we are not together, it is so great to be joining in different living rooms, different houses all across Blacktown to be together and to do it live. I wanted to assure you, look at my phone. It is 10.36 on Sunday morning. Um, and it is so great when we can get together and actually not just, you know, it's wonderful with technology that we can catch up to church, but to actually be leaning in and pushing into all that the Lord is doing um, in our lives together as a church is so, so important. I'm so thankful for Ben in leading us off this morning with that great game to see the kids all together having fun, how much we miss being together as the intergenerational um, family of God. Um, Lucy, I just loved your interview. That was so, so powerful for the whole church to hear that this morning, to see what the Lord has been doing in your life and then to, to worship together. And I just wanted to say up front that this is worth fighting for. Sometimes it can be really discouraging that we're not together and all that's been going on. I can't believe that in two weeks time, we're going to be celebrating or dare I say celebrating three months in lockdown. This is worth fighting for that we would stay connected as God's church. So I just wanted to encourage you with that this morning. As we continue our Ephesians series this morning, as we just heard from Jono um, in his reading for us this morning, we are continuing um, from chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. And I actually have a game for us this morning. This one very much also involves the kids if they would like to get involved. And the game that we are going to play um, is a game that involves some of our Bible verse this morning. Now, you'll now be able to see that on the screen. That is verse 17 and 18 out of our passage of this morning. But what I would actually like to do is to throw it to you in your living rooms, just to have a laugh over it. This is supposed to be fun that we would actually say this with some different accents, okay? So I'm just going to give you 10 seconds to try and read some of this passage with a different accent, all right? The first one that I'd like you to give a go is to do it with a pirate accent. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. Try and read some of that passage with a pirate accent. All right, I hope you've given that a go. The next accent that I'd like you to try is try and... Do it with a mosquito accent. Try and uh, through the chuckles, hopefully, that are happening in your living room right now, try and do it with a mosquito accent. I'll give you another couple of seconds. The next accent that I'd like you to give a go, and you can kind of remember back to Finding Nemo for this one, is try and do it with a whale accent with a whale accent. Someone make sure that everyone is uh, having a turn in your living room. If you're by yourself, well, just for laughs, why don't you do it anyway? The second last one I'd like you to try is with the deepest accent possible. The deepest accent. And then one more for us this morning. Again, purely to laugh, even though we're not together, it is so good to laugh, is who can say it the fastest, Okay. Just like at the end of those government ads, try and say it as fast as you can. Jess is saying that she's getting weird looks from the kids. I have no doubt that hopefully many of us are laughing together. And I hope you enjoyed that. Hey, that was just a really fun way for us to go headfirst into our passage this morning. 
And as a bit of an overview, where we find ourselves in the book of Ephesians is actually Paul's second significant prayer within his letter to the Ephesian church. The first happened way back in chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. And we looked at that some months ago now as we've been slowly dissecting the book of Ephesians. And that was that we may know God. Not just that we may know of God and the attributes of God, but that we may actually know him. If I were to really summarize this morning's thrust of what Paul is trying to say is that not just would we know God, but actually would we experience him this side of eternity? You'll see there in that slide a beautiful picture of a stained glass window. And I always remember how someone explained to me that life in the kingdom is the now and not yet of the kingdom. And it's a little bit like a stained glass window. If you were to go into a traditional church, you see the light partially enter through that stained glass window, yet not in its fullness. And of course, when we reach glory and eternity with Jesus, we're going to be in God's presence forever. But we are actually invited as as Uh, apprentices of the kingdom, followers of the way, however you want to describe it, to actually live with an experience of God's presence now. And the very first thing that we notice when we jump in to um, Paul's uh, passage here is he's writing to the Ephesian church. In verse 14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, while some of us may be incredibly aware or familiar with what it means to kneel before God in prayer, This was an incredibly unconventional form of Jewish prayer. Up until that time, um, traditional Jewish men, of which Paul was one before his radical conversion to Jesus, would stand with hands wide open. And so this was quite unconventional for Paul to write. And it actually signifies the passion and the desperation that Paul had for the Ephesian church that he was on his knees before God, that he was so grateful for all that God had done in their midst, but he was also pleading that they might catch something in his prayer. And that, I guess, would be my first uh, question and challenge for us this morning, church, is actually the importance of posture. What is your posture towards God and towards others? I told a number of you uh, a story a couple of weeks ago. I had a horrific moment happen in my life, and I'm sure it's happened to all of us at some point in time, is I um, went to text message Jess, or at least I thought it was Jess, about my frustration with another person. And it was one of those moments where I was on autopilot and I actually messaged my frustration to the person that I was talking about. And can I tell you, I just felt like caving inwards. It was one of the most horrific moments of my whole life. And while I can now, months on from that time, uh, laugh about it, at the time, it was it was definitely not pleasant. And what I realized in that moment is that each and every one of us, we can have a posture towards God and towards other people. And moments like that, which are almost like a surprise, they radically get our attention. I realized in that moment that my posture actually wasn't a good one. It was actually away from Jesus and focused upon myself. The reason I loved hearing um, Lucy's interview just then is because I could see in her story, even over the course of the last year, how much she was postured towards Jesus. And just because you've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 50 years um, does not mean that you are postured towards Jesus. That is an everyday conviction that we have to pursue him. Just because we may have been a Christian for a long time uh, does not mean that we may be maturing Christ as we're going to look at in Ephesians chapter 4 in just a couple of weeks. And posture speaks volumes of the state of your heart. 
Does God get your scraps this morning? Does he just fit into your schedule when you want him to? You pray to him when you need something or when you, uh, when you think it's just the religious thing to do? Or are we lost in wonder as followers of Jesus, seeking first his kingdom? Because our bodies, our schedules, our reactions to people, who we are as human beings actually speaks of our response to God. C.S. Lewis wonderfully said, and I'm sure I've used this before because it has been such a sharp rebuke and encouragement for me that who you are when you are interrupted is who you really are. Wow, that's a challenge for all of us this morning. And I want to say, as I continue with our message this morning, um, that Jesus was always so high on invitation. When you look at the Gospels, he was always inviting people to come and see, come and learn from him. He was so high on invitation. And yet Jesus was also very high on challenge. And I, I actually wanted to say up front this morning, I feel like the Lord wants to challenge some of us this morning. Um, maybe for some of us, we, we need to be renewed in him. We have realized that we have just become far too casual. We've realized that our prayers, like, like Paul is praying right now, have become apathetic, have become lazy, just something that we have to do rather than, as Paul is showing us, a desperate pleading, a laying down of his life that the church would catch something, not just the, the Ephesian church thousands of years ago, but now generations to come that we would experience God by his spirit. And would we not realize, church, this morning that God is calling us, each and every one of us as individuals, as families, as God's church in Blacktown, back to a holy discontent that actually we would rediscover our first love again in him. But the first thing that, that actually getting to, to Paul's prayer that, that Paul prayed in verse 16 was that we would experience his strength. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Now, the word that is actually used there is literally a word used of um, fortification in order to brace, to reinforce. It's kind of like the same word that would be used when talking about building or building terminology. Um, many of you know that we've done a couple of renovations in the last couple of years. We can't just kind of settle where we are. We're, we're that kind of personality. And a couple of years ago, we renovated our kitchen. And when we did that, we're actually pulling out walls and all sorts of things. And the builder said to us, um, you could get away with not bracing the wall, but I definitely wouldn't suggest it. And of course, when a builder says that to you, you usually take their advice and go, yep, that, that's, that's a, a great idea. And so this word that is being used here is one that would be used in, in building, preparing for weather conditions, whether it be flooding or, or you know, strong winds, soil erosion. And what Paul is really saying to us this morning, church, is that we wouldn't just barely scrape by, but actually we would be strengthened by God's Spirit, that He would strengthen us. And that is incredible news for us this morning, church, that God wants to strengthen us. It brings Him great joy in order to do that. Yet that's also challenging news for us because the flip side of that is that you are going to need it. If you think that you can run this race of following Jesus in your own strength, then I just want to say in the most loving kind of ways, then you won't cut it. It means saying no to the radical independence that many of us can develop upon ourselves and our own strength and what I say goes. And like I already said this morning, my hunch is that God is inviting some of us to renew ourselves in him, to rebuke apathy and a bare minimum attitude, and actually again to be strengthened in God. 
The next thing um, that, that Paul prays is that in verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wow, what an incredible prayer that is. And in the New Testament Greek, there are actually two words that are used throughout the New Testament um, that mean dwell. One literally is uh, it's the word perikos, which means to inhabit like a stranger. It's kind of as if when you go on holidays, you stay in a hotel room, but it's not really your place. But the word that Paul uses here is actually the word katakeo, which means to settle down and to permanently inhabit. And folks, that's what Christ wants to do in our hearts. Paul isn't talking about just a temporary visitation where we get butterflies from time to time. It's actually a level of permanence and living in God's presence. It's like that difference when you first move into a house that you own compared to when you have rented. You couldn't put nails in the walls. Yet when you move into something that's yours, you can actually make those changes. It becomes yours. And the invitation of the gospel, friends, is that Jesus would dwell in us richly. That the image and the lifestyle and the personality of Jesus would be fashioned in us. And we're going to get to to more of that in a couple of weeks' time as Paul goes on with this metaphor. But the absolute union with the Trinity is the invitation of the gospel. That's what was broken in Genesis chapter 3. But the gospel is an invitation back to that level of relationship with God. That we would walk with him in those kinds of ways. Yet in order to have that level of relationship, we can't just say, Jesus, this is my stuff. I'll give you access to this stuff. And when I say so, true apprenticeship to the kingdom, friends, is when we say yes to Jesus and his kingdom and we actually put that into practice. We actually take on his words, his works and his ways. And friends, and this is, this is a hard one for us as sophisticated 21st century people, is we actually trust that God knows best. We have, we have very much developed, I think, this attitude, not just in Christianity, but even in the West that I know better, that I can access whatever I like and my way goes. But actually, the invitation of the kingdom is actually that Jesus would be your king and that what he says goes in your life. And my encouragement for each and every one of us this morning would be to simply ask ourselves the question, either right now or in the days, hours, week to come, God, what are you saying to me? Because God will firstly always invite us into a relationship of intimacy. But he also wants to, in his kindness, strip things away from us that are not good for us, that are holding us back, that might be toxic or unhealthy. And and rather than bringing life like Jesus longs to in our life, are actually potentially bringing us the opposite. And this is the most extravagant prayer that we could pray, friends, that Christ would dwell in us richly. The third thing that that Paul prays um, in verse 18 is that we would experience the extravagance of God's love, of Christ's love, beg your pardon. And he talks about how wide, how long, how deep, how high is the love of God. In effect, what Paul is trying to say is that God's love is boundless. He is unable to fully and adequately describe the love of Jesus. And there is something about the depths of God's love that can only be experienced in two ways. Firstly, by his presence or in his presence. Uh, And secondly, in community. But firstly, by his presence. I I can remember when I first began to fall in love with Jess. 
Um, of course, as as Facebook was first came into the scene, I could see pictures of her. I could I could learn things about her, her likes, her dislikes, what she what she looked like. But it was actually only in her presence where I started to feel those incredible feelings of love and affection towards her. It was in her presence that I started to realize that I loved her and wanted to spend my life with her. Love is far more than just knowledge, friends. It is actually a disposition. That's why Paul said, beyond understanding. And in fact, in the Eastern way of thinking, knowledge is much more than just a worldview that you might have. It is actually something you believe and integrate into all of your life. Knowledge isn't just up here, friends. It is actually all of who we are. And on the flip side of that, we experience the, the love of Christ that is boundless in community. True, authentic, biblical community is actually a mirror to God's love for us. Because community is fundamentally others-seeking. It's not just about what can I get out of this. It is actually what can I do to offer and show agape love to the people around me. Um, I can remember back to the kind of in-between stage where we felt like God had first led us to plant Oak City Church. And can I tell you, we were intimidated, we were scared. And on the third part of it, we was actually, we were dirt poor as well. And there was a woman that um, Jess was in quite intimate relationship with as part of a formation group. And she heard about this and she heard about some of the medical bills that we were experiencing at the time. We had no money in the bank in order to pay for those bills. Yet actually in an incredible act of love in community, she showed us God's heart as she gave us money that she didn't have to give us in order to be able to um, more than just survive, but actually to be strengthened. And community, as with God's spirit, should always be extravagantly generous. Friends, unfortunately, we live in an age, particularly in lockdown, where we just go, play it safe, keep to yourself, you know, you and you alone. And in fact, the, the New York Times this week released an article coining this term languishing. And languishing literally means getting to that disposition, that point of going, it's just not worth it. It's just too hard. I'm just going to leave, you know, live in a state of, of, of it's all about me. But I've been reading this book this week and it has challenged me so greatly because I think unless we're careful, church, we can just begin to mimic the world around us. And John Tyson says this, he says, beware the soul sucking voice of reason. Some of us, as we look around and we see that there's a great sense of, uh, you know, everyone is doing it tough. There is no doubt about that. But can I just tell you that the, the love of God is unreasonable. The love of God is extravagant and out there. And I can imagine if you were a fly on the wall, when the father was running down the driveway to his son who had been lost, it would have been uncomfortable because he kissed him on the cheek. He gave him back um, everything that had been lost. He was emotional. He was teary. And I just want to say, friends, in this time, maybe some of us need to shake off reason. Maybe some of us need to shake off, okay, I'm just going to, it's going to be Groundhog Day. Because then as we see, um, uh, Paul jumps into the next couple of verses, verses 20 and 21, that finish off our time together as we spend time in this passage. Um, And he broaches the topic of more. I'm actually going to read it from the message translation. He says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does this not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently 
within us. Paul here in this passage, as you may have heard it, he's not talking about being greedy. In fact, he is actually talking about living a life out of a place of life without lack. A place, you know, Dallas Willard wrote this incredible book, Life Without Lack. And this idea that for many of us, we become consumed by the things that we don't have. And our life just becomes about how can I get more of that? But Paul, way back in chapter one of the book of Ephesians, is talking about living a life from the riches of Christ's grace and blessings. And again, rather than asking the question, God, what can I get out of this life? It is actually about almost a place of childlike wonder going, God, what are you up to? It's like the start of a new day when you, for those who have had kids, um, they come up to you and go, what can we do today? That is the level of anticipation that we have when it comes to following Jesus. And I want to ask and challenge us this morning. Are you praying too small? Have you put a lid on your walk with Jesus? Whether it be your own life in Christ and, you know, maybe I've just grown stagnant. I've just grown no further. I think back to when I was a first follower of Jesus and I would go anywhere and do anything. Have your prayers for your family grown too small? You know, where God might be leading you to make a difference, your kids to come to know Jesus, your brother, your sister, your uncle, your auntie, whoever it may be, for Oak City Church. Have our, you know, visions for the future been too small and for Blacktown, that Blacktown would be a place of incredible transformation because of the Holy Spirit and ultimately as well for Australia and the globe to know and experience the good news of Jesus. Some of us this morning need to rip the lid off our thinking. We have become contained and of what I know of God, he, he, he is not a tame lion. He is a wild lion. He is extravagant. He is out there. And I would just want to encourage us that for those of us who even are feeling convicted this morning, that we have got stuck in our own little comfortable world, there is a need to get lost in God thinking there is more. There are battles to be faced. There are strongholds to be broken. There is impact to be had and people to be won for the sake of Jesus' name. Now, just to wrap up this morning, um, I just wanted to focus in on one word that I'd sensed like the Lord had been speaking to me in the last couple of weeks and also in this passage as I came face to face with it. And it's this word, the word consenting. It's a word that we don't use often. Um, it's a word that you may have heard in some negative context before, but the word consenting literally means to have given your permission. Now, for those who hadn't heard a little bit of an update from, from our life, you may have seen it on social media. Um, unfortunately, two weeks ago, um, and, and we're, we're open and hopeful and all that the Lord is doing in this, please hear me, but I, I had wrapped up my time with Fresh Hope Churches of Christ in New South Wales, and, and that was due to a, an organizational restructure. And at the time, it was, it was sudden, it was unexpected, I didn't see it coming, and this is not a pity party to tell you that this has happened. I did want to inform you as our church family. But it's in moments like this that catch us by surprise. Maybe when things hurt us or disappoint us. Maybe it's the passing of a loved one or a medical diagnosis that we did not expect. Or even a failed financial investment. We tend to turn to everything but the Father. We turn to... Uh, whether it be streaming, whether it be our own coping mechanisms, whether it be our family script, it may be a whole range of things. And that can be due to pain, that can be due to embarrassment or shame, 
Um, like I said, for many of us, we may not have had healthy ways modeled to us of dealing with hardship. And I love that in the marriage course, we've been looking at some of those things. We talked a couple of weeks ago about are you a rhino or are you a porcupine? And I'll let you work that out that in relationships, we can tend to steamroll people or be sharp to people. And in fact, I heard this quote this week by Peter Scazzeri. He said, you may have Jesus in your hearts, but you've got grandpa in your bones or in your DNA. And some of us have just got a, a, a script where we actually react in very ungodly ways. This isn't criticizing any one family. Each and every one of us, despite how good our parenting um, may have been, need to be fashioned into the image of Jesus. But in this passage as a whole, Paul is exhorting us to consent to Jesus, to give him undivided permission in our lives. Otherwise, we just begin to live lives what Craig Rochelle calls as Christian atheists. We, we, we live under the brand or under the tagline, but really our lives look nothing like Jesus. And my encouragement for us as a church this morning is would you consent to Jesus? Would you give him your yes before he even asks the question? Because otherwise we become like the Pharisees who confess God with our lips, but not with our hearts. They're actually far from him. And, and this is painful. I'm not trying to say that this is easy, but actually with, when it comes to the resurrected life, the crucifixion must come first. Jesus showed us that, that the crucifixion had to come before the resurrected life. And, and Jesus is looking for a people that would not just know him an acquaintance, but would actually experience him here and now and with all of our lives. So I'm going to pray for us this morning, church, just as we wrap up. And I want to encourage you as well that as we have been doing for the last couple of weeks, if you feel like the Lord has been um, prodding you this morning, there's some things that have come up, don't just leave it here because that would be a strategy of the enemy to just blow it away. Oh, that was just that message you heard a couple of weeks ago. Don't actually make anything of it. Please jump online for prayer ministry with us. But I wanted to pray for us right now. And also, I've got a couple of words of knowledge that I feel like the Lord has really put on my heart this morning. But firstly... God, I just thank you that you are here by your spirit in living rooms, wherever we may be watching. And I thank you, Lord, that your word does not return empty or void. It doesn't. And so I ask God that you would be convicting, that you would be encouraging, that you would be inspiring and equipping us this morning, not just to hear this, but to actually begin to know it and feel it in our bones. God, we want to be obedient to you, not because, you know, you are the creator of the universe, which you are, not because you are all powerful, which you are, but actually because we love you. We know that this isn't some religious um, transaction. This is actually a loving father who wants what is best for us. And so there are three people that I really wanted to pray for this morning. Uh, the first one was, and this may seem counterintuitive, but I feel like that, that word that there are people here who haven't experienced the fear of the Lord for some time. And of course, perfect love casts out fear. I'm not trying to, to say what I've just prayed to, be, um, to not make sense. But actually, when we look at who God is and the supremacy of who he is, yet then the fact that he invites us into relationship, that should actually cause us to tremble and be bl blown away by his grace for us. So that's the first group of people that I want to pray for this morning. The second is that actually I feel like sometimes we get too domesticated in our love and affection for Jesus. And actually there were some people that God wanted to begin to give the gifts of the Spirit to this morning. And 
here's something radical for our church because I know we don't talk about it heaps, but actually that there were some who were listening on this morning that God wanted to give the gift of tongues to. And, and I want to tell you just a real quick 101 on the gifts of the Spirit. The tongues are no more important than any other gift, but actually it is something that develops an affection between us and Jesus. And I just wanted to say that maybe you, that, that may be you this morning, that he wants to give a new gift of intimacy to you to be closer to him. And lastly, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, but actually that God just wants to invite some people back to their first love. They've become so busy in doing good things and actually forgotten that primarily it's actually out of that place with being with Jesus that we do. And he's saying, just like to the church in Laodicea and Revelations, come back to your first love. Don't get so busy. Don't get so consumed by a career or by family expectations or by what you think you have to do that you actually lose your first love. And so bless you, Oak City Church. I, I trust that back to the Holy Spirit. You don't need to follow up with me whether any of those are accurate. But I would just want to encourage you that if you feel like there is a chance that that is for you, do something about it. Maybe it's to your partner. Maybe it's to another close spiritual friend. Maybe it's jumping on prayer ministry right now. But we love you so much, Oak City Church. And, and I just want to also to say at the end, we can see that there is a pathway out of this. As the eldership, we're going to be meeting about that in the weeks to come as to what that looks like for Oak City Church. But it's so great that we can be together online. God is not confined by lockdown or by Zoom or by online church. So bless you this week and, and hope to be in contact with you really soon. Well, g'day there and welcome to the Oak City Church podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today for another encouraging message from our Sunday gatherings of Oak City Church. If we can connect with you in any way, please see us at oakcitychurch.com.au or check out our socials online. We hope to see you in person soon.